everyone, and welcome back to Let's, Let's Get Civil. I'm Cassie. And I'm Alex. And today we're going to be continuing our mini-series about each of the depths in civil engineering. For today's episode, we will be discussing the geotechnical depth with Professor Zio Topolo. Uh, go ahead and introduce yourself to all, all of our listeners. Well, hello everyone. Um, my name is Katarina Ziotopoulou. Alex nailed my last <laughs> name. Thank you so much for that. I appreciate it. Um, most of the students call me Dr. Z or Professor Z, so um, that's one thing to put down. Um, I was born and raised in Greece, in oh, Athens. Wow. Um, I did my um, undergrad there in the National Technical University of Athens. Um, it's a five-year-long diploma, so that for you guys means about like 72 classes times four, whatever units that makes. Um, it's a pretty intense um, undergrad. No homework, though. So I think that, that, that makes um, a difference. Um, and because of that, so like our, our, our degree there, um, if you allow me to talk a little bit more about it, it's like it's, it's five years long, so during the last two years of it, we, we already pick a discipline and we have to choose between transportation, geotechnical, structural, and water. Um, and I picked geotech very early on in, in my career. Um, you have to do a diploma thesis to graduate. So anyways, as you can imagine, my diploma thesis was on geotechnical um, engineering. Um, anyways, I graduated in 2007, then I came to the U.S. in 2008. I came to UC Davis actually to pursue masters and then the masters became a PhD. And I graduated with a PhD from UC Davis in, in, in uh, 2014. And then I moved to Blacksburg, Virginia, and I joined Virginia Tech as an assistant professor. Um, and uh, later in 2016, I was hired back at UC Davis, and I haven't right. left um, um, ever since. So I hope that answers your question. Yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> you don't ask me, I just think that was like a side question for yeah. us. Uh, why, what brought you to like America? Like, what attracted you about mm. like that made you want to come here from Greece? Uh, that's a good question. So, like, there, there there's two aspects of it. The, the the one is 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 it's purely technical aspect. The other right. one is more of a of a personal attribute um, aspect. The highly technical aspect was that my diploma thesis and my my, my passion, even from my undergrad, was in earthquake engineering, soil dynamics. Um, I had a great professor who had started his career as a faculty in the U.S. actually and then moved back to Greece. So I was really fixated on, on doing research that had earthquake um, elements into it. Right. And I mean, just the combination of California being highly um, a seismically active um, area that comes together with... Um, just great research, right? I mean, different universities tend to develop research that is primarily addressing local issues first, and then they open up to um, other stuff. So I wanted to be in an earthquake-prone region because that would mean good research. So California was obviously a top choice. The weather was also a great um, appeal, like coming from Greece. Right. I didn't want to have to survive in extreme snow or extreme <laughs> heat. So that was one. The other aspect to it was that... um um, I graduated first from my undergrad and I was very competitive, mostly with myself. Mm -hmm. You know, I wanted like to do the best possible, um, out there and just like pursue scholarships and just go to anything that would be best for me. Um, and at the time in my mind, that meant like coming to the U S not staying in Europe, which also wouldn't have to, um, didn't have at the time anything, um, earthquake to, to offer to me. So I was like, let's get scholarships. Let's go to the U S my parents were like, 
if you find the scholarships, <laughs> bye-bye, you know? Um, and I got those, and I came here, and that was that. Wow. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great journey to learn about. Yeah. It's very, like, very I, brave to come over to, like, another country. I think so. I had never crossed the Atlantic before. Wow. Here. I just packed two suitcases, and that's it. I came. I did not even know how to bike when I came to Davis, if, wow. that, if, that, if that tells you anything. I was just like a good old city girl, just no. like Athens, uh-huh. right? <laughs> yeah, no, we're glad yeah. to have you here for sure. <laughs> yeah, so kind of to get more into what the content of what you, mean, what you teach. Uh-huh. Um, so what kind of sort of content does the geotechnical depth kind of cover? Mm. So let, let's talk first about what geotechnical engineering broadly is. Um, and then I will tell you about the content because, I mean, it's, it's important to have like some, some context. Yes. But geotechnical engineering deals with anything that has to do with building on the soil, in the soil, or from the soil. Okay? It expands also and sometimes includes rock mechanics. Some people confuse it with geology. Right. But ultimately, the ge- geotechnical engineer is, is able to handle anything from from foundations, design of foundations, design of retaining structures, um, and anything you can imagine that is intimately related to soil, a geotechnical engineer can do. And then on top of that, being able to handle hazards, right? I mean, my, my, my hazard of focus is earthquakes, but increasingly now we see climate change related mm-hmm. hazards, flooding hazards, and, and, and this and that. Right. So from that, the geotechnical curriculum at UC Davis um, covers is covered by three classes um, in terms of codes. That would be ECI 171, soil mechanics, ECI 173, which is foundations, um, and ECI 175, which is geotechnical earthquake um, engineering. Um, to the extent of my knowledge, um, I think we should be the only university in the country which is offering an earthquake engineering class, wow. geotechnical, um, at the undergraduate level. And the fun fact is that our graduate students have to take ECI 175. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, it's touching both worlds. Oh, okay. right? Um, so content-wise, ECI 171 is, is the baseline. Everyone has to take it. It has labs. Um, so it's, it's a lot of fun for hands-on activities and it just covers the fundamentals. It relies a lot on knowledge, um, from, from water and from, um, mechanics of materials. So, um, those come as prerequisites and we learn anything about characterizing soil, quantifying soil, calculating stresses in soils, estimating the effects of water flow through soil, um, water and soils have a love-hate relationship. Sometimes water can act uh, beneficially. Sometimes it's um, one of their biggest um, enemy, as, as I'd like to say in, in 171. Anyways, and then we go all the way to strength of soil. So ha- having a complete view of, um, uh, of those aspects. Then in 173, um, we cover foundations. So basically shallow and deep foundations. Um, which are uh, the, the the basis of, of buildings or right. other structures like bridges and, and, and whatnot. Um, you need 171 to be able to do well in 173. Actually, you know, you can't take 173 without 171, obviously. Um, it's also a highly practical class. Occasionally, we have... Um, uh, lecturers from industry come and cover that because they do bring a lot of that perspective, real world data um, um, that are always really eye opening to students. Right, it's it's nice to stay within the academic boundaries, but being able to see how things look 
outside um, is always really beneficial. And then there's ECI 175, which takes the baseline of 171 soil mechanics and expands it to um, earthquake loading. Okay. So uh, basically in that class, we learn about ground motions and how we characterize them um, in, in soil deposits. And then we talk about the, the, the hazard that is called liquefaction, which is basically uh, very colloquially um, the, the phenomenon that we observe when um, saturated soils, so soils underneath the water table, um, under ground shaking from earthquakes, start behaving like a fluid. So it's like ground turning into a fluid and they cannot support any foundation, um, really. It's, it's a challenging class, um, but at the same time, it's really rewarding. It's really pre preparing um, students for um, careers in, in, in California in particular. So, um, yeah, that's, that's the curriculum here. Right. That's, that's really surprising, actually, that we are the only, uh, like, university that offers... To the extent that I know. Right? To the extent so, yeah. that you know. <laughs> at an undergraduate level. Because I feel like this is a pretty important issue, like, yeah. with, uh, like, earthquakes, especially in California. Yeah. And, like, you know, you mentioned, like, flooding as well. That's, like, a pretty prevalent issue like, across yeah. the U.S. Yeah. Well, no, we're definitely proud. It's a unique class to take. Um, I think for anyone practicing California, taking the FE and PE exams, right. um, uh, specifically, specifically in California, I, I personally think it's it's a very valuable class to have in our curriculum. So, yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah, yeah. Okay, so moving into like post school, what sort of career paths are there in geotechnical? And as kind of a double question, is grad school an expectation mm. if you're going to work in geotechnical engineering? Yeah. So. Broadly speaking, two avenues, really, the academic one and the industry one, with each one having its own branches. Like if you go down the academic route, you know, you may be looking at a master's degree or a PhD degree, if you really like research and just the academic environment. Um, and then down the industry route, again, there's, there's a broad range of things. Um, you can do working in the field, doing site investigation type of work, um, doing desk work, more like analysis and design. Um, and then going beyond the technical part, you may want to advance into more management or administration and, um, or project management to be more correct and pursue projects and bring projects and manage projects, um, and supervise people who do, um, the technical work. So, um, uh, I personally have never worked in industry. Right. I always stayed in academia, just like back to back, because I never was itchy to explore the opposite. <laughs> I was always very content right. uh, doing research. But um, I have done consulting here and there, so I am familiar with um, uh, how things look. And I have many industry friends, so um, I'm very familiar with how things look um, on there. Um, and now, um, what you're gonna do? Um, depends a lot on the on the company you work for. You know, there there's companies who have certain portfolios or a certain primary you know field of work, whether that is landfills or more um, like retaining walls and more like retaining structures. Um, there's companies that are national, international companies that focus on, on dams and tailings dams, right. mostly predominantly, right? <laughs> um, 
So there's that thing to be looking out for too. Now, now you asked about whether a, a grad degree is an expectation. Increasingly, yes. Um, so you, you can practice um, geotechnical engineering without just straight out of undergrad. Right. I think my impression and what I hear from our graduates is that you're going to quickly hit a wall eventually. Um, there's so much field work you can do. Um, eventually so we tend to see those students come back for a master's degree um, and that allows you to advance and, and do some of the more um, design work and, right. and, and touch more complex projects yes. um, and so on and so forth so it's not it's not an expectation that is like you know advertised but it's 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 uh, implicit more often than not Right. Yeah. yeah. I always find it really interesting how broad everything in civil engineering is because yeah. there's already like the five depths, but then if you go into each of those depths, there's like infinitely th many things that you can do in each depth. Yeah. So I guess it's really nice that if you're like questioning like what you want to do, you know those options, you're going to find something that you like if you keep looking. Yeah. So I think that's nice to know. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, I mean, the bet. Depends on how everyone is as a personality, right? I mean, right. Mm -hmm. different people act in different ways. There's the people who are like the planners. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and there, there's people who are not so much into planning, but they just follow the, their life path without agonizing too much about it, right? right. I personally, I am, I am a planner when I know what I'm doing, but I'm never like, ooh, perhaps I should try this. Ooh, what what lies on the other side? Like, right. what's going on, right? I'm like, do you like what you're doing? Then keep doing it, right? right. Um, or like, I'm doing this. Should I, should I should I explore something else? Ah, not it was never for me, right? right. Um, and that may create some tunnel vision. Uh, but I think as you grow in your career, as long as you're aware that there's other things out there, mm -hmm. then you can selectively grow in directions you you desire that's what i have done for example right for sure and growing your skill sets that's always <clears throat> always important right right yeah. regarding my educational path and generally my path in life i have found that aside from from technical interests and um surroundings and all that there, there there's two factors for me so uh I'm a learner. I'm a perpetual learner. Probably that's why I went into academia because it allows me to make the time to learn something new. So I always make sure that, you know, get, it becomes harder and harder as uh, life's obligations also increase. Yes. But, you know, um, I knew how to code from an undergrad. I was doing MATLAB. Then I decided I want to learn Python. I was using this software and then I wanted to learn the other software right. or... Um, Homeworks for classes are always a nice um, vehicle for us to learn something, right? I mean, because if you assign it to a student or to a, to a group of students, you have to have solved it, right? And you always like force yourself, like let let's let let's learn about that um, geotechnical aspect, for example. So that's one. So I was always like very curious and always liked learning new things. Um, but the other big aspect of my personal path and career has always been the people. So I have always found that, you know, the right person can motivate you and inspire you to just be around them and, and choose them to be in the network of mentors or friends or, or whatever. Right. Um, and that has spoken volumes in my own career more than, you know, the 
brand names and locations and then in topics sometimes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's right. something I wanted to definitely mention. Right. No, yeah. I mean, that's like a great philosophy to have, like, based on it on, like, community. It feels like community is so important in determining, like, how you succeed and, like, what path you pursue. I know, like, for myself personally, like, mm. I wouldn't have been maybe here without the help of my parents, without my help of my mentors, help of, like, classmates who, like, all support you. So I guess, like, really important, I guess, as a student, maybe, like, surround yourself with people who are supporting you and they will support them back as well. And make your life fun. For sure. Right? <laughs> I mean, so, you know, we, we, as professors, we always pursue projects, right? Projects right. to work on, projects that through which we fund our graduate students and so on and so forth. Um, and most of these projects are collaborative. And there, there's always two approaches, right? You either say, this is what I want to do, and these are the skill sets I want to bring to the table, and these are the people who are going to bring the skill sets, or you find people that you enjoy working with or you genuinely think they're good people to work with. Right. And just by talking to them, you find something fun to work <laughs> on, right? Right. And that just makes the whole coexistence Oh, so much more enjoyable. Right. And I find if it's enjoyable, it's also productive. Right. I, I mean, usually, I've never seen a case where just a fun interaction with, with cool, um, honest people has not yielded good results. Yeah. I've always seen the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> right? No, of yeah. course, it, like, that makes sense because, you know, when something is, like, you're around fun people, people who are driven as well, I feel like that influences you to also exactly. be more driven and... And once everyone's more driven, like, everyone just works together to create a better, like, product or, like, have better findings, right? Totally. Totally. So we can move on to, I guess, the next question, which is, uh, what do you find, what do you personally find interesting about this area of study? I know you said you focus a lot, specifically, yeah. like, on earthquake-related stuff. Is that yeah. primarily what you're interested in? Um, so what first got me interested in soils was just that, like, how challenging they are as a material, right. right? I mean, you'll get to see that. Um, uh, hopefully, you're going you're gonna to take 171. <laughs> um, but, I mean, they're just, they're uncertain, right? They're right. not man-made materials. They're just geologically made. So, undetermined by us, uninfluenced from us, um, hidden from us, just like everywhere underneath us, but we can't see them. And... They are really particulate materials, just like little grains touching each other with some gaps in between. We call them voids filled with air or water um, or both, (laughs) right? So they're just so uncertain um, and there's so many things to to take into consideration when we deal with them in the field, when we deal with them in our labs, when we deal with them in our large-scale experimental um, uh, testing devices. So I just, I just found them fascinating just, just by the, the, the nature of, of the solutions around them. So that was one. Um, then overlaying the, the, the added challenge of earthquakes for me brings a lot of the societal aspect of of civil engineering like civil right i mean that aspect and um it just makes things again one level more challenging right because yes you are serving society by building just stable um, foundations stable buildings and this and that but when you have major disasters hitting um and and the complexity of of, of seismic waves uh, manifested as ground motions um to your soil deposits, it's just 
and you see how much you can impact the the, the, the resilience of infrastructure, the policy around earthquake uh, planning, preparedness, as we like to call it, um, it just showed to me that you can have an, an impact more than than the baseline impact that you have as an engineer right so and for, for me um we had an earthquake in, in athens in 1999 and i got to witness it first firsthand because my father is a structural engineer now he's retired but um, that doesn't say anything he still talks a lot about <laughs> stuff um he he had me follow him as he was doing reconnaissance just like visiting people and just seeing what, what the damages were in, mm-hmm. in their houses um i said oh so you do more than sit by a desk. <laughs> I mean, I, I saw it right in front of me, right? right? So um, that, that's what I found fascinating, and that's what drew, what drew me to it. Yeah, yeah. and then this kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with that, but um, for people who are maybe considering taking 171 or looking mm-hmm. more into geotech, um, why would you recommend that people like look further into it and into the depth? Because soils are awesome! <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, like, joking sure. aside, I think... Um, if you stay within the bounds of civil engineering, um, and I'm saying that because there's, there's so many diverse paths that somebody can take, but whether you talk about like land development, whether you talk about construction management, construction processes, forget about ge- just like soil mechanics for a minute. Like soils are everywhere, right? right. You're going to be dealing with, with them at some point in your careers. <laughs> structural engineers, right? Foundations are structural elements, Structures are carried by foundations, right? right. Um, so I think just to be a well-rounded civil engineer, you have to pursue soil mechanics. Just as one class. Now, if you like that, then there's two more classes to help you like hone that skill set and, and, and learn more. But I personally think, even if I, even if I wasn't a, a geotechnical engineer, I would still say that just for a well-rounded education similar to how I would suggest to people to take a concrete class right i mean i i, I also suggest the same it's like go and take a soil mechanics class if you end up liking it then you open up a pathway if not at least you have that in in, in your portfolio at least you have a set of notes to open up later in your careers it's and if that doesn't help um lots of the construction cl- uh, questions in the pe they're all about soils, right? right. Um, Boro materials and uh, hauling over and uh, compacting and um, lots of, lots, lots, so many questions in the PE and FE exams are directly related to, to soil mechanics. So you'd rather dedicate a quarter learning that than trying to learn that on your own um, <laughs> a couple months before taking those exams, right? Definitely. So, I mean, either way you see it, um, it's it's a bias to you, but if even if I intentionally remove that bias i still think it's 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 a good knowledge to have yeah yeah important to know the foundations yeah 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 build on top of it totally yeah i love how you mentioned like the application like not just like even like geotechnical but like in other fields for people who may be interested like maybe other devs and now maybe they should give geotechnical a second look because it seems like soil is just like present in every like a lot of these aspects of civil engineering, right? It is. And if, if, if you talk to my colleague Veronica, for example, Professor Morales, right? She, she doesn't study soil mechanics, but she's studying flow through porous media. 
like soil, right? So right. for her, soil is there. So she's studying how things flow through it. Um, it's a medium, right? Also, um, we talked about seismic waves before, right? right? Soils are the media through which seismic waves travel, and they make it to the surface of the, of our Earth, and then uh, they are experienced by um, humans and structures, right? So, right. Um, it's just so many things. <laughs> so you already kind of mentioned this with how we have like possibly the only undergrad earthquake class, but what do you specifically like about UC Davis's department for geotechnical, and like what brought you back here to teach? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, so, the people, <laughs> or people, um, uh, I really like the people. I like the people at my previous institution as well. Um, but the people here also combine an area that um, is um, just even more dedicated to the geotechnical and earthquake um, engineering that I am pursuing. So there's there's that aspect. Then there's three aspects about Davis um, in particular. The location, um, it is, apart from California, overall earthquakes and yada yada, we covered that. Very close to Sacramento, the capital. So there's a lot of um, state agencies that um, we're very close with, um, like the Department of Water Resources, right. um, and the Department of Safety of Dams. Division of Safety of Dam, sorry, DSOD. So it's nice to be able to just drive to them um, within like 20 minutes and chat. Right. Um, and so that's one. Then proximity to Sacramento and the Bay Area in terms of consulting companies. I mean, it's the, the, the number of consulting companies within an hour and a half drive of Davis is insane, <laughs> right? And we're talking right. like really high-end consulting, so you can you can you can find it all, um, and um, you can learn from them. They always desire to learn from you, and that creates a very vibrant environment. Just you know, because you need to be learning, you need to be deciding what you want to study next based on the problems that they are dealing with. Because if you want to have an impact. Right, you want to be talking to the people who actually use your solutions and your research. That's right. how you have a pathway to implementation, right? Right. Um, uh, so that's that, and the most important is just like the, the facilities and the people in in Davis. They're amazing, like excellent students. Um, obviously, we have great labs. We are the home of the of the Center for Geotechnical Modeling. Um, it's uh, it's an it's our national shared use facility. It hosts right. two very large, one very large and one smaller centrifuge, and we do excellent, amazing testing of um, larger soil specimens um, mm -hmm. in it. It's really cool. Um, it's nice to be able to bike there. Um, we maintain permanent staff out there to help us with um, with testing. So just overall, it's just like, it's a no-brainer. <laughs> right. It's a no-brainer. Everyone, we have a long tradition in centrifuge testing and geotechnical earthquake engineering, site investigation, um, we maintain a very good name in, in, in the country. So it was a no-brainer for me. <laughs> no-brainer. For sure. I feel like I got sold on it right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh, it's not just like a side question, yeah. but you mentioned you work, um, you used to work with like the state agencies. How often does that happen? Like, do they, do they task you, do they tell you like problems they're encountering within the agencies and mm -hmm. then you kind of 
guide your research toward that or I mean, yeah i mean it's it's a on demand it's not uh it's not regular right um now, for example, my colleagues, um, Jason DeYoung and my former advisor who has now retired, Ross Boulanger, oh. they have a project with the Department of Water Resources um, studying erosion through dams, I believe, or oh. levees, mm-hmm. um, so earthen construction. Um, I don't know how that particular project came to be, but generally my experience is that, you know, you just, you know, you drive up there, you knock on their door. Right. Um what are you guys working on? What are your biggest challenges? What, what do you face as limitations? Is there anything we can help with? And then, you know, you flesh it out. Um, in good times, they can afford some funding. So they can fund you to do that research. Um, they remain engaged, which right. means that, you know, they don't let you work in vacuum. Um, they, they provide feedback. You give them um, your data and solutions. And it's just a, a very dynamic um, interaction and, and one that has a guaranteed path to having an impact mm-hmm. um, because they're they're just reviewing and handling and uh, designing uh, from what I know many of the dams in California right. so so what does the future of geotechnical look like like are there any um, really interesting new advancements or mm-hmm. research being done at the moment oh so yes <laughs> the short answer is yes. Um, so uh, we see the emergence of a lot of cross-disciplinary mm-hmm. opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one of the major ones is the, 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 the field of biogeotechnics, as we call it. Right. Um, you should talk to Professor Young about it for sure. Um, and... Um, so that field is basically seeking solutions from um, uh, biology to um, to mimic it basically and 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 develop more sustainable solutions mm-hmm. so basically um, just study how microorganisms can create calcites right and we use those microorganisms creating calcite bonds between grains of soils and basically improving and strengthening um, them, if that makes sense. Um, That is definitely much more sustainable than pouring cement into the ground. Um, That that gets the job done, but uh, 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 looking into the future, it's not very good for for carbon emissions um, that has to do with with the material itself, but also with the equipment that you have to mobilize too. Do that. Uh, there's also the field within biogeotechnics, the field of bioinspired geotechnics. You can talk to Professor Martinez um, about it um, too, where basically we seek um, solutions inspired by um, natural organisms like clams and uh, and uh, snakes and how they they move and mm-hmm. they get attached to the ground and how they, they, they uh, penetrate the ground um, earthworms you know you name it right, right. I mean the example n- not within geotechnical engineering but like geckos right geckos were how um, we got we the editorial we got inspired for velcro. Um, type of solutions, right? So this is bio-inspired, right? Mm -hmm. So we have that. Um, Other exciting cross-disciplinary fields come from from the emergence of of AI and and data science, unavoidably. Um, They help us um, move faster with our data, decipher information from our data, interrogate our data uh, better. 
I personally find that regardless of what cross-disciplinary field you're looking at, it's important to stay within your domain and then um, open up your, your skill set because I need to be a geotechnical engineer and learning a little bit from computer science to solve my problems. It's really hard to teach a computer scientist about you know geotechnical engineering and have them solve problems. Mm -hmm. So um, that creates, of course, more coursework requirements and this and that. But you know, you asked about the future, so I think mm -hmm. that that's where the future is. And I think other important aspects to never forget is we're perpetually trying to deal with um, uh, climate change. Um, hazards, um, wildfires, and how those affect our geotechnical systems, um, uh, increasing flood events. Uh, so we are being challenged. You know, we are dealing with levels of hazards that we are we were unfamiliar up until today. Right. So our toolboxes and our, our design levels were not meant to be able to handle this. So um, we always need to be on the lookout for um, what challenges do we have um, to, to deal with. And I think that opens up um, exciting, um, but also very challenging um, opportunities. So plenty more work to do for sure. Yeah. yeah. I want to add something, and it doesn't relate to geotechnical uh, engineering. It's just like a, a general, because I know students mostly listen mm -hmm. right. uh, to this. Regardless of what pathway you take, regardless of what you end up doing, make sure you love it. Make sure you, you, you're you good at it. I, I always find that if you love something, you end up being good at it, no matter right. what. Um, uh, don't necessarily look for what is the market looking to get because you might end up miserable. Um, right. there, there was that whole wave of people being like, I have to go into tech. I have to go into tech. I have to be. And now what is tech doing? It's firing half of its people, right? <laughs> right. So um, find something that, that, that you do not because of the market and the hype and the newspapers. Just find something that, that, that you like and, and, and exercise fundamental skills of problem solving, which is always important. But also try and, and isolate yourselves occasionally from the noise, right? There, I find guilty as charged myself, um, but I am much older um, than you. So w when I was in your age, I didn't have an iPhone. We didn't have LinkedIn. We didn't have Twitter. I did not know what other people are doing, so I could focus. So right now I find that, you know, there's all these social networks and people are so connected and there's a lot of noise about mostly achievements. Nobody's bragging about their failures. So that creates... Um, I find a lot of urgency, like I need to do things, I need to do research, I need to do internships, I need to do this, I need to do that. And just <laughs> just like focus a little bit, close those social media, just look inwards um, a little bit, mind your own business, and just like, and, and like you're going to be happier in the process just for that amount of time that you do it. Um, and always remember that what people put in social media, it's all, it's 99% successes, right? People brag, um, and that creates, um, depending on, you know, the personality of the receiver, it can create very adverse effects, um, uh, of imposter syndrome, uh, and so on and so forth. So I'm, I'm always an advocate of just like focus. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I, I really want to say that to wow. all students always, yeah.
no, that's just, that's phenomenal advice. Yeah, right. I'm definitely a victim of the noise of social media. <laughs> get stuck scrolling. Me too. Me too. It's like, oh my God, look at what they're doing. Oh my God, how did they do that? Like, I mean, you don't want to live under a rock, right? right? Yes, so th- there's that because now there is all of that available. So you want to know what's out there. You want to know what people are doing and you want to know if they're like people you can access. Like, how did you do that? How, you know, just like be in touch. Right. But in a balanced type of way, right? Um, I've I've done applications on my phone just that they lock my phone so just so that I'm able to work, right? Right. And I see that in my class. Like, people are on their phones all the time. Look at me. Focus with me. Let's do the activity together. Don't get distracted because the, the, the brain going into this what we call flow mode, just you need to be, you know, just concentrated. And then you learn so much faster, but if, if, if a tiny um, uh, beep of a message just gets you like, oh, I need to respond, um, it's just, it takes you out. You're like, you yeah. lost it, right? Right. Um, and it's, uh, it's, you know, people think they're still with me, but they're not. Mm-hmm. If they, they lose uh, just the concentration, it costs. It costs. And then you have to focus again and enter that flow mode, and it's just, you know. It's just hard. Right. Yeah. Again, guilty as charged. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm better, but um, I, at least I'm aware of it. Yeah. Right. Something we all have to collectively, as a, I guess, like a society work on. We'd like to give a big thank you to Professor Z for coming on today to talk about the geotechnical depth with us. To all our listeners, thank you for tuning in, and we hope that this episode helped you understand geotechnical engineering a little better and has helped you decide if it is the depth for you. See you next time on Let's Get Civil!